stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comics Catch-Up, The Supplement. To every story ever. 
<laughs> is that what it is? It's a supplement. It's a it's <laughs> we rank stuff on the Every Story Ever list on this show. It is it is you're right, it is it is supplemental information. Yeah. And uh, I think it's needed and useful, and it is all thanks to our backers on Patreon. That's true. Also allow me at this point to say thanks to Dan Black, who made that very nice intro music that you just heard. That is very much in the vein of classic me talking over music to explain a thing. Oh, I haven't heard it yet. I'll send it to you. It's a bit of a different take on the kind of music we usually do for one of these shows, but I like it. Which is outcast. It's not outcast. <laughs> the, the usual music we do is uh, is outcast. Speaking of things to be excited about, Chris, it's time for us to wrap up our look, our deep dive, into the entire run of Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force. I almost said Rick Remender and Jerome Opeña's Uncanny X-Force. But in this back half of the run, Jerome Opeña is nowhere to be seen. Absent. Absent he, he, from the proceedings. He does a couple of backup stories. And that's that's all. Inst- which I don't even think were original to X-Force. I think those were reprints. Okay. They were but, Remender uh, Opeña joints, but... I guess they were yeah. from another book. Yeah, you're talking about the ones in 25? Yes, yes. Yeah, those were, I, I believe those were reprinted from, like, issue, like Wolverine or Deadpool annuals or specials. That was the impression that I got. Because they were referred to, weirdly enough, as rarely seen stories, which is a real... <laughs> you know, I've written some rarely seen stories, too. That's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> I think all those stories I've written are rarely seen. Art-wise, on the back half, we have uh, Greg uh, Tocchini, or yep. Tocchini. Yep. We, we, have, st- we started with Robbie Rodriguez. Robbie Rodriguez, yes, whose stuff is very good. Uh, we had uh, Billy Tan on the 19.1 issue. Mm-hmm. Then Phil at- Noto. Yep, Phil Noto does quite a bit of the this portion of the, the run. I'd say it, it bounces back and forth mostly between Phil Noto and Greg Tacchini. Yeah, and, and a little bit of Carl Moline in there sometimes. Yep. Uh, so 24, we start getting to Phil Noto. Mike McCone does 25. That's it, Mike McCone, not Carl Moline, Mike McCone. My, my mistake. Oh, there's also Julian Totino Tedesco. He does yes. quite a few issues also. Compared to the front half, I found the art in this back half to be more inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Uh, and I mean, obviously, the the Phil Noto stuff is, is quite good. Yeah, the Mike McCone stuff is quite good. Yes. Uh, I will say I, I didn't care for uh, Greg Tocchini's work on this I, book. It... it you know, everybody's got their own preference, and I understand that. I thought Takini's work was a little less crisp and a little more muddy than what we have seen up to that point. Yeah, and I do, I do think it is worth saying, in terms of uh, criticizing that art, 
uh, he did kind of have the toughest stuff to draw because he does the weird other world arc where yeah. he like clearly he has to draw. Oh, this is a this is a dragon that's also a castle. Uh, this is a weird. This is a weird. Go ahead and Baphomet. Like he is, he is saddled with a bunch of weird stuff, and a lot of it doesn't quite come through. You kind of have to pick up a lot of it from context. But I think also, you know, it's it's tough stuff to draw. So again, if you are if you are on the book, I think generally speaking, you should you should be able to to knock it out. But I'm not going to fault him too much for drawing a bunch of weird stuff. It's not like he's drawing, you know, Batman. And getting it wrong. I also feel compelled to say, partially maybe the reason I wasn't such a fan of his art is he was the artist on my least favorite arc of the entire run, hands down. And that that's the, the other world stuff? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, though. This is something that surprised me. I ended up liking the back half of this book. More than I liked the the first half. I am I am totally reverse. <laughs> That's so, I like okay. the front half a lot more than the back half. Well, here's what I'll say: all of the stuff that I was really annoyed by in that first half is absent. Like the dialogue is a lot more distinct. It doesn't have the the quirks. Nobody says "son of a bitch" in this one, uh, and. Phantom X's misdirection power, which in retrospect is, I thought was like there to set up that he didn't really kill uh, Baby Apocalypse, but he did. Yeah, he did, and then he cloned him. He right the the new teen Apocalypse is a clone. Yeah, Genesis. Uh, but a lot of the dialogue quirks are absent, and a lot of the high-concept stuff that I thought was really the strength of the first half of the book uh, comes up and is, in a lot of cases, made even more explicit. Like, Genesis being Superman and having Superman's origin, I think, yeah. is re- a really choice bit of this comic. And that comes in, like, very explicitly in the back half. My thing I, – I think you're right about the dialogue being – a little bit better mm-hmm. characters having more distinct voices in this half of the run. There are those like little moments that pop up where you're just like, what a weird word choice. Mm-hmm. Um, like Sabretooth still loves the word frail. Yeah. Which is weird. And Wolverine called somebody a cur again. <laughs> There's the less curves, of man. That occurs. There's less of a son of a bitch. I think you're right about that. It does feel like it's leaning on fewer crutches. But I there one, I feel like sometimes in a lot of places the storytelling is less clear. Yeah, I think um, that's I think that's fair. Like there are things that I I'm still not sure what happened. Like, what happened to Jamie Braddock? Oh, well, he was Jamie Braddock from the future who made a pact with a goat god? Yeah. But, Which, uh, but like, so, did he really die, or was that – did he not really die? No, he really died. But how how it, familiar but, are you with Jamie Braddock? I have not read a, lot, a ton of, like, Excalibur and that kind of stuff. Okay, well, I think a lot of the Jamie stuff is is the Alan Moore, Alan Davis, Captain Britain 
Okay. But it's it, like all Jamie Braddock stories are by necessity super weird. But this one, I think you are absolutely right. It's it, that story gets to the conclusion, and everything has been more or less set up by the time you get there, right? But it's you're like that. That's what this was about. Because well, it's and all then you meant find out of, you find out after the fact that it was all a setup. Like it, it was all a setup to get Psylocke. No, that's a lie. I think. Is it? Yeah, because that's a, that's what the Shadow King tells her, right? Which I, I I think he's lying to her. Okay, I took I took him at his word on that. That See, he that's had the problem. S- that you can't trust the Shadow King. <laughs> can't trust the Shadow King. But it seemed like it had all been a setup to get Psylocke to abandon her morality. Yeah, no, and I'm... and, and to to be a hypocrite because. Yeah. You know, she was so morally conflicted about killing Little Apocalypse, but then she ended up having to play a big hand in her brother dying. Um, I am pretty just, sure, based on the conversation that Betsy has with uh, Brian at the end, that that was the Shadow King fucking with her and trying to like break break down her break her down mentally but i don't know that for sure i guess i guess we could check the marvel wiki there's a good bit of stuff that's like not i just not clear to me particularly in the other world story and i think it's half because of the art and half because reminder's trying to swerve us Mm -hmm. but it's not clear like none of it reads as clear to me. Here's the big thing, though. Here's my big, big thing. Okay. I feel by this point in the run, we've already hit the climax. The Dark Angel saga is the (laughs) climax, right? And so all of this is falling action. See, you say that, but I feel like the climax was meant to be is... Genesis going to turn or not, which unfortunately kind of ends up playing out both in this book and also in Wolverine and the X-Men. Right. I I think that's another part of why I feel like the storytelling in this is muddled Mm -hmm. is because it's not all contained in this one book anymore. Yeah, because right where we pick up, Regenesis happens. Yep. And so there's now a new book where uh, Genesis is going to be dealt with. And then he has this big story here, but the big story is also kind of involving a lot of the Wolverine and the X-Men stuff. Like, you know, Beast and Kitty Pride are there and they're talking about the school a lot. And and you've got this weird dichotomy where Wolverine is the headmaster of this school and also the leader of a silver and black death squad. Yeah. There's a I think we're going to end up judging this, and we actually haven't discussed this, but I I want to see if you're on the same page as I am. This does feel like a single story. Yes, I would agree. It's it's all the the teen apocalypse story. Yeah, because at its heart, every major story in here is an are you going to kill this guy to prevent a potential bad thing story, right? Yeah. it's it's Teen Apocalypse. 
It's Jamie Braddock. It's you know, it's Dokken at the end. You know, it's it's all like, are you going to kill someone that that maybe could have been saved? And it's nice to have structural parallels in each part, but I feel like the structures are a little too parallel. Because this ends up being a 36-issue single story that just feels like it kind of wanders around the Age of Apocalypse for a little while. And and dips into a, a couple of other stories that don't super get paid off. Yeah. Like the Lady Deathstrike stuff. Yeah, the Lady Deathstrike stuff never came back, and I was really let down by that because I quite liked the setup of that. And then we get Lady Deathstrike, but it's a Danger Room simulation. Yeah. Not to sound like I'm totally negative on this, because there's plenty of stuff in here I did like. Um, like the final execution saga. There's a lot in there to like. <laughs> yeah, I, I quite liked the final execution. Um, uh, like the stuff with the uh, Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler basically trying to assassinate everybody who wronged him. Mm-hmm. And getting turned by Mystique into trying to kill our world's Wolverine because his world Wolverine sucks so bad. Mm-hmm. That stuff I like. I like the three Phantom X's. The three Phantom X's at the end is pretty fun. Yeah. And one of them is a bad Phantom X. One of them is a bad Phantom X, and he, like, dips out immediately. My question, though, is, I mean, isn't... Phantom X's mutant power that he has three brains? Does he just does he not have powers anymore? <laughs> well, I think he's he's also got the is the the illusion stuff a, a an element of him having three brains? I thought it was, but does he have three brains because that's his mutant power, or is that something the Weapon X program did to him? I, Weapon Plus. I thought it was all Weapon Plus. Like all of that comes from. Like they 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 made him because they made him. Right, he's yeah. not like a dude right, who yeah, went yeah, into yeah. Weapon Plus and like Wolverine or Deadpool. He's a dude who was made in the world. Right. He's he was raised in the world. Yeah. Brother, I don't know. I I think what we we can get to is it's a weird comic, but the weirder it gets, the more I kind of like it, which is why I think I like the second half the most because it. Dialogue quirks annoy me more than anything else. I got. I'll you. take a, I'll take a a, a w- well written bad comic <laughs> more than I'll take a, a a decent comic that I hate everyone talking in it. I but, like weird comics until they hit the point of being confusing. Yeah. And there are elements of this back half of this run that are, that lean into that X-Men, I have too many plates to spin to understand what's going on kind of thing. Only in very small parts, in very small pieces. But, the, the, again, the, the stuff that takes place in the other world with Captain Britain and, you know, Betsy trying to be lulled back into her family. It just, it didn't click with me because partially I feel like I I didn't have all the backstory I needed to understand all of it. Mm -hmm. But also 
by the by the time I got to the next story, I didn't even think I knew what happened in the, that story anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a big part of the problem for me is I'm very interested in seeing what happens with Genesis. You know, I think that's a really cool idea. And I think what what would Apocalypse be like if he was raised by mom, Pa Kent? is a really brilliant storytelling device. I do not care at all about Otherworld or the Age of Apocalypse. I really don't. I I don't care because I'm not an Excalibur guy. I'm not a – and I, I'm not an Age of Apocalypse guy either. Chris, let and me those ask- aren't those aren't the comics that I'm reading. Can I ask you a question? You certainly may. How do you feel about Dakin? Is it Dakin? I thought he was rocking like Dokken. I think it's supposed to, I've always said Dakin, uh, but I could be mistaken. <laughs> Mistaken. <laughs> I mean, it's here, here's the thing. I was about to say, like, he's fine as an evil Wolverine. We already got an evil Wolverine, though. <laughs> like, did, did we need another evil Wolverine? There are a good many evil Wolverines. What's what's interesting is that Evil Wolverine is teamed up with Evil Wolverine in this. Yeah, Dawkins Brotherhood of Mutants also has Sabretooth on yeah. it, who I thought for a minute was Age of Apocalypse Sabretooth, and then I remembered Age of Apocalypse Sabretooth is a good guy, which I forgot because I don't care about the Age of Apocalypse. What's wild about this, like this Brotherhood of Mutants is such a wild group. It's a weird bunch of dudes. That gets thrown together. Because it's got, it's got Dakin slash Dokken. It's got Sabretooth. It's got Age of Apocalypse Blob. It's got the Shadow uh-huh. King. It's got all those Omegas. I did. I See, I really liked the Omegas. I, I, again, I thought the Omegas were a really interesting concept because they fit thematically, right? They're made to be bad guys. They're made to order bad guys. Yeah. With with false memories. Well, the, they're part of that like assassin manufacturing company, which I did think yeah. was a cool idea. Which is another really cool idea that I, unfortunately, I don't really think was explored that much. Uh, you've got the skinless man. Talk about weapon three. Yeah, it's. I did like the skinless man, and then like you find out Mystique is kind of like. Not behind it all, but she's like in the upper echelons of it. What I love Mystique's that, freelancing, but has her own uh, her own ideas, her own agenda. There's a great scene. I don't remember which issue it's in. There's a great scene though where the Brotherhood of Mutants are just all like hanging out. Mystique is talking to the skinless man, and as she's like shooting pool, she's saying like, "Don't worry your head, my dear skinless man." And in my head, I'm just like, "How did they meet?" <laughs> like what what was the circumstances of them like getting to know each other? Well, you know they they played some pool. Yeah. Cuz cuz Mystique's yeah. been around forever. The Skinless Man first appeared in this X-Force series. So But Matt, but Matt, he's also been around forever cuz he's Weapon 3. He's Weapon 3. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Matt, it's a weird comic. I mean, I think we can both agree on that front. Yeah, and I think we our our opinion of it may even out based on my more positive opinion of the first half and your more positive opinion of the second half. 
Yeah, I will. I mean, I I didn't care for the other world story, but I like how much stuff comes in and resonates and is is cool ideas. And my biggest problem with the second half is we should have gotten the Brotherhood of Evil Mutant stuff Im- immediately. I would not have fucked around with Otherworld. Yeah. Because we're already asking the question of, is it right to to have killed Baby Apocalypse? We don't need uh, a, a Otherworld adventure where Psylocke gets her old body back, but only for like five minutes. And she is forced to make the moral decision that Phantom X made back in issue five or whatever. Yeah. I wasn't like mega keen on that, but you know, I, I, I think the last bit, and especially cause a lot of his drama film Moto, I think the last bit really does kind of help out a lot with the, with that second, like reading it as we did, if we had read this as story arcs instead of doing what we did, which was, I mean, I just read it all yesterday. Yeah. I sat down and just read it in a, in a chunk. Yeah, I read is what I did with the first half. I read the f- second half more. I think I maybe read it in two sittings, but I read it a lot faster than I read the first. Uh, just because I had b- bigger chunks of time to do it in. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. I feel like if we had read it, if we had read like the first story and then a little bit later read the dark angel saga and then read that other world story and then read, uh, the final execution saga. I think our, my opinion of it at least might've been a little different and, and reading it month to month. Cause I've, I've talked to, to people who have really, really liked this book. And I think it was probably maybe a little better to read it month to month because all those dialogue quirks didn't stack up on each other. Yeah. I I think that's absolutely a benefit of spacing this out is you don't notice those things that happen repeatedly throughout the book, the the dialogue quirks and the repeated Phantom X fake outs. Those those Phantom X fake outs, not doing the a million of those in the last uh, arc was nice. Well, Phantom X spent a good Phantom chunk is, of it dead. Yeah, so very dead, extremely dead, N- knifed to a wall, dead. Yeah, it cut his heart out. We gotta cut her heart out. All right, Phantom X, you gotta cut his heart out. It's time to rank Uncanny X-Force. Okay, so so we're looking at it as one solid story. Yep, this is Uncanny X-Force, Volume 1, Issues 1 through 35. Uh, Point 1's inclusive. Two. Volume 2. Is it Volume 2? There was Volume 2. There was an Uncanny X-Force before this? I thought there was an Uncanny X-Force before this. Am I wrong? Let me check. I know there was another volume of Uncanny X-Force. Yeah, you're right. It is volume two. Yeah, because it was like a a Chris Yost book. Well, no, no. That was just X-Force, though. 
That was just X Force. Okay. Yeah. No, this is Volume One. This is Volume One. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the Chris Yost book was just called X Force. Just called X Force, but it also had the stealth costumes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm looking at the list. Uh, I'm. I didn't love it. So many of its so many of its bad ideas are explored for five issues. So many of its good ideas are in one or less. Yeah, it's one of those things where like you really wish somebody would come pick up some of these ideas, like that assassin creation service that gives all the assassins backstories, like personal backstories that motivate yeah. them. They write they write the tragic origins. Yeah. Which that, I think is very that's good. That's great. That's a A plus choice idea. But it's it's just a means to an end for the Omegas, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm looking here. Uh it's not as good as Squadron Supreme. It's the first thing my eyes hit. Okay, where is that on the list? That's pretty high, right? That's in the two hundreds. Yeah, it's in the two yeah. hundreds. I'm just scrolling down and seeing what I see. At number not, 350, we have the Warren Ellis, Declan Shalvey, Jordi Belair, Moon Knight. I think that's better. It's more consistent. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what we have at 400 if we're just going to go by 50s? Shed. Yeah. Which we don't need to discuss yeah. what happens in that story. Yeah. Weirdly comparable to this. I think Shed's better. But Shed is also shorter, so it has the luxury of having, you know, Chris Bottolo on it for the entirety of it. Yeah, I, I, I'm just saying they're weirdly comparable because they both have the death of a boy. <laughs> oh, you got me, Matt. You got me with that one. <laughs> Skipping down a little lower. Batman and Robin Eternal, I think, is closer. I think, yeah. To where we want to go. I think you're right. I think... Batman and Robin Eternal is a big, long, continuous story where the art changes and where the storytelling is kind of up and down. I think this is this is definitely comparable to that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Batman and Robin Eternal does have Azrael in it. I'm talking about the Order of St. Dumas. Sure. But this has this has good good characters in it too. This has But it doesn't have Azrael in it. It doesn't though. have Azrael. It does have that cool Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler, who I do like. I don't care about him. Not the way you do about Azrael. Not the way I care about Azrael. I probably care about Azrael more than I care about real Nightcrawler. <laughs> Alright, so i i think I think we're in the spot though. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as No Man's Land. You, I think No Man's Land kind of like pulls it out. Okay. It finishes strong. Honestly, I think it's better than than Well, is it better than Mutant Massacre? It's probably not better than Joe Kelly Ed McGinnis Deadpool. Yeah. It's probably not better than Coyote Gospel. Yeah. Mutant Massacre might be the breaking point cuz it's probably better than the Jack Kirby Black Panther. Maybe. I think Jack Kirby Black Panther's got King Solomon's frogs in it. It does. 
But it's but as we said when we ranked it, it's not Kirby's best work. It's not Kirby's best work, and it's, it's not the best Black Panther stuff. Not even close. I think it's definitely as a whole better than Omega Effect. It's better than if, the Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man issue where Jonah covers the waterfront. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to go between like 460 and 463, I think. I think the big question is whether you think it's better than Mutant Massacre or not. I would rather read Mutant Massacre. That's a Wolverine gets crucified. Here's okay, here's what I would say then. It should go between Mutant Massacre and the Jack Kirby Black Panther. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So that is going to be on the Every Story Ever list at number 461. Uncanny X-Force. Volume 1. 1 through 35. That is the whole run. And, you know, I know people love this book. And I'm sure they don't love this going into the list at at, uh, 461. But it is above the halfway point, or like right, yeah, I mean, right around the halfway point. I mean, let's talk about some of the stuff that it's above. Uh, it's above uh, Amazing Spider-Man 130 and 131. My uncle, my enemy. You know what happens in that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's above the entirety of the Superior Spider-Man, which I actually think I liked better. But I, I think we, you know, there, there's two of us. We even each other out a little bit. Uh, it's better than Astro City Tarnished Angel on this list. It's better than Nightfall. So, interestingly, I mean, don't don't feel bad if you love this book. Interestingly comparable to Nightfall, to be quite honest, where it's like tragedy after tragedy, or like hardship after hardship for our protagonist. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Batman kind of huddling and crying. Yeah. in Nightfall, because yeah. a bunch of bad stuff has happened. Well, that's going to do it for our first run of Comics Catch-Up. I will post a Twitter poll at the Matt D. Wilson for the second thing we're going to be reading for Comics Catch-Up. You can vote in it uh, once I do that. Um, to be quite honest, I haven't had like a running list in front of me of what we're going to be doing for that or what might be in the running. So send me either tweet at me or send me an email about what you want us to try to do for the March comics catch up. You don't want, you don't want us because I think us right now we could, we could pick three. We probably could. The promise of this though, at the start was that these were going to be listener dictated. That's true. But we have been asked about Omega Men, and I think Omega Men would be a good one to go back and look at in the context of Mr. Miracle and Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, absolutely true. So I think I, I think that should be on there. Uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff that we have needed to catch up we on. We were sent Nameless to read. We were sent Nameless, which th- that was sent to us. Yeah. So. Maybe. Uh, well, I'll put Nameless in the poll. And I'll put Omega okay. Men in the poll. Those are two that will definitely okay. be there. Um, but please send me other ideas because I want Comics Catch-Up to be something that listeners – I want to do the stories that the most listeners want us to catch up on. Yeah, I think that's fair. So uh, that's what we'll do. And just so you know, 
Comics Catch-Up is made possible by our supporters on Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and kick in as little as $1 a month to make sure that these keep happening every single month. And we rank the stories that we didn't read, but that you really want us to rank. And I think that will do it, Chris. Any parting words here for Comics Catch-Up? I think Uncanny X-Force is... is very worth reading. But I also feel like you could probably skip the entire Otherworld arc. It is also as 2010 of a comic as you could imagine. Boy, is it. In the same way that, like, Casino Royale is a movie with flip phones and Texas Hold'em. <laughs> that came out in 2007. Th- this is about as 2010 as it is. As it could be. All right, everybody. We'll catch up with you soon. Hey, thanks for catching up, Matt. Hey, Matt. Uh Uh-huh. Good to catch up. Love catching up. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 